Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we are going to explore the scriptures for the third Sunday of Easter. The third Sunday of Easter. Now, how did we get here? Well, we started in Advent back in November and we, in December, and we had four weeks where we were waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, born into the world, taking on human flesh. And he's born on Christmas Day. We celebrated Christmas joyfully as we anticipated the coming of the Lord. And then he grew up, and at 30 years old, he began his ministry, and he began to show himself. Epiphany, epiphanos, appearing. Began to share his message. Then we celebrated, in the last Sunday after the Epiphany, we celebrated Ash Wednesday, because now we're preparing for Jesus' death after a three-year ministry. And we became very reflective about our sin, our wrongdoing, who we are before God. And this was a very important time of preparation uh, as we prepared for Holy Week and Jesus' death and burial. Then on Easter, Jesus rises from the dead. Amazing miracle. It's never been done before. Never been done before or since. So we have his resurrection. And then last week, we celebrated the second Sunday of Easter as we looked at scriptures from Exodus, from 1 Peter, and the beautiful scriptures from um, John 14, 15, and 16. This week, we are going to look at scriptures from Exodus. We'll continue to look at Exodus, and we will focus on one of the most important series of scriptures in the entire Bible, the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, followed by a discussion of the scriptures in Colossians, Colossians 1, 2, and 3. Colossians 1, 2, and 3. We'll finish with 1 Peter 5. Remember, we looked at Peter last week. And then we will begin the study of Matthew. We had finished Mark and uh, or gotten pretty far in Mark. And then uh, we had John last week, as you know, in different uh, eclectic scriptures in uh, Holy Week. And now we are going to be looking at Matthew, beginning in chapter 1, then uh, going to chapter 3 and 4. Those are before the Sermon on the Mount, which we find in chapters 5, 6, and 7. All right, let's go back to Exodus 18. Remember, God has led them out of Egypt in bondage, Pharaoh's bondage. God hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. He finally let his people go with the 10th plague, the avenging angel killing the firstborn. He lets them go, but Pharaoh and his armies try to destroy them. The river opens up. The Red Sea opens up. The Israelites pass through it, but the waters close on Pharaoh and they are destroyed. But sadly and unbelievably, the people grumble, but God takes care of them. He provides manna. He provides quail. He provides water. He defeats the Amalekites. He takes care of those that are trying to destroy them. He preserves his people. This is a great and important idea and truth containing the scriptures. In chapter 18, we have the fact that Jethro visits Moses. Jethro is the priest of Midian, the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done, verse 1, for Moses and his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And so they were talking, and what needs to happen here is that uh, Moses uh, 
takes his seat and he serves as judge of the people in verse 13. And they stood around him from morning to evening. And his father-in-law, Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing. And he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around from morning to evening? And Moses said, well, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, you know, I look at it and I make a decision. And he said, well, what you're doing is not good. You and the people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen to me. I'm going to give you some advice, he says in verse uh, 19. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. Teach them. Tell them what they're supposed to do. Now, this is a very, very, very important stage in God leading the people of Israel. There has to be a way for the people to receive instruction from God so they will know what to do. Now, I spoke about that last week when I talked about John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus gives three chapters of instruction so that we will know who Jesus is, what our relationship to Jesus is, and what we're supposed to do. Jethro visits them in 18. Select capable men, verse 21, from all the people, men who fear God. And so let them be judges with you. So Moses, in verse 24, listens to his advice. And they served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Very smart. So let's divide Let's divide the work here. If you do all this by yourself, Moses, you're, you're, you're not going to do very well. If I, as the leader of this church uh, that the Lord has, has uh, entrusted to me, if I try to do it all myself, there's, I would wear out and be very ineffective. So we have different people, lay and on salary, that do things, part of the staff, that do things uh, and have responsibilities. Very, very important so that we delegate and we raise people up to minister to the people of God. In 19 of Exodus, they set out. Moses, they, they, uh, the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped in the desert in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God and called, God called him from the mountain. On the morning of the third day in verse 16, there's thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. God's doing something here. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of a mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. This is an extraordinary move of God uh, with the Israelites. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So so Moses went up. And the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so they will not force their way to see the Lord and many of them perish. Do not. Only you can come up here. So Moses went down and told the people. Now what happened on the mountain? 
Exodus 20. Now circle that chapter, brothers and sisters. If you don't know that chapter or you don't know what the Ten Commandments are, I find that they are extremely important to know and to know what they mean. And as you look at your Bible with me, the again, the scriptures are posted uh, on a day-to-day basis for you. And we have the Ten Commandments. I'm one of those people that believes you should know the Ten Commandments from one to ten. And I believe the order is important. I do believe the order is important. So randomly knowing what they are, I don't think is as wise as knowing them in order. The first one is immensely important. No other gods before me. No idols. That's the last verse of 1 John 5, 21, I believe it is. No idols. No other gods before me. Second scripture, do not make no gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol. Thirdly, don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. No other gods, don't make idols. Three, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath. Five, honor your mother and father. Then it goes six, seven, eight, nine, ten, very quickly. Do not, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. And do not covet. Okay? Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. Now, you notice how the first four have to do with your relationship with God? So God comes first. And the last six is the way we treat each other, our parents and those around us. Okay? So the first four are about a relationship with the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to have any other gods. There can't be anything more important than me in your life. Period. I'm not going to take second place, third or fourth. First or nothing. First or bust. Secondly, I don't want you to make for yourselves an idol. All the surrounding countries at that time, nations, of course, had idols and they had physical uh, things that represented their idols and things that they worshipped. No. Don't take God's name in vain. Don't misuse his name. And fourthly, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It is important that you have time before the Lord. It is important that you take time to be quiet. It's important that you worship God properly. Chapter 20. Moses goes down to the people in verse 20. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. You want to have a healthy fear of the Lord. You want to take God seriously in your life. He has tremendous power. I think he's already demonstrated that clearly in Exodus. And what he did to Pharaoh through the boils and the gnats and the flies and the blood and the darkness and the cattle the firstborn, he demonstrated his power, leading them out of Israel, out of uh, northern Egypt, leading them to Israel, leading them to Sinai, giving them the law, taking care of them, cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, guiding them the whole way. This is an extraordinary God, an extraordinary God. Enjoy these scriptures. Chapter 24, we skip to chapter 24. The covenant is confirmed. Now, remember, we have the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're confirming this covenant with Moses. Okay? Verse 8. 
Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the laws and commands I've written for their instruction. This is why the Bible is so important to read. It's instructive. He wants us to know what it is he wants us to do. You can't know what to do. You can't obey unless you get orders. Unless somebody tells you what it is they want you to do. So this is a very important part of Scripture. We see this particularly in Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, where he gives them instruction. He tells them, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to not do. Here are the consequences of doing the right thing. Here's the consequences of doing the wrong thing. Exodus 25, the offerings for the tabernacle. Now that's in the ark and the table and the lampstand. So these are going to be very important instruments by which God uses to glorify his name and to teach his people and provide for them. And so Exodus 20, uh, 25, 1 through 22 is about that. Again, your notes at the bottom of the study Bible, if you have one, would be helpful. A um, study of the scriptures and the, a, a commentary on Exodus would be very helpful to explain these. This is beyond what I'm trying to do. I just want to encourage you to read these and give you some ideas to think about. But chapter 25 is important. It's important to the Lord because he wants the people to worship him in a particular way. So the things that are on the altar, the things that are represented, that are a symbol of, that God is present uh, and, and shows the glory of God are very, very important devices that the Lord gets our attention. So enjoy chapter 18, uh, chapter 19, Chapter 20, of course, the great book on the chapter on the Ten Commandments, 24, in terms of confirming the covenant that God has made. And it says that Moses stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I wonder where they got that time, 40 days and 40 nights. All right, so he meets the Lord, and then he's going to come down the mountain and share the Ten Commandments with them. Well, let's look at the end of First Peter. We were in Peter last time. And I hope you enjoyed reading those four chapters. There's five chapters in 1 Peter, three chapters in 2 Peter. And um, 1 Peter chapter 5, this, this is great advice for us all in terms of daily living. Verse 6, humble yourselves under, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You're anxious today, you're worried, you got doubt, fear, turn it to the Lord. Be self-controlled and alert, verse 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. The God of grace, verse 10, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. A nice closing to the book of Peter and some wonderful words of advice in terms of the way he wants us to live. Humility, casting your anxiety on him, be self-controlled, control your emotions, control your mind, control your heart, control your actions, be sober-minded, be alert. The devil is looking for someone to devour. Do not let it be you. Colossians is a book that I'm teaching on one of my Bible studies here. And it's just a fantastic, uh, that I taught last year, I should say. I'm teaching in Philippians now. But is it, we went through verse by verse, and it is just a fabulous book. 
And what you're doing in your daily lectionary readings is you're reading chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Now, I have found them to be very rich, very deep. There is a profound Christology in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4. There is a profound understanding of who Christ is. There are also folks that are trying to um, destroy the people that are call themselves Christians by presenting false doctrine. So we have some heretics. We have false teachers. And Paul is sharing with the people of Colossae, the town of Colossae, he's sharing with the Colossians the truth of the scripture, that they may believe the truth, that they not believe lies, they, they turn to Christ and they exalt Christ. Not the Christ that the false teachers speak about who can't really do a whole lot, but the living Christ that uh, has extraordinary, extraordinary power. So the first part, I just love 1 through 14, he just tells you the way he wants you to live. So it's a wonderful text. You could read this, you could read this all the days of your life and you'd be in good shape. Then he tells you about Christ being the image of the invisible God, verse 15, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created. He's the creator of the universe. Things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Not only is the creator by him, he is the one that did it, but he did it for himself, for his glory and for his honor. He's the head of the body of the church. He, God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. The fullness of God dwells in Christ. That's extraordinary. Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So because of his death on the cross, we have peace with God. So in this Easter season, we are celebrating the peace of God that we find in Christ. Chapter 2, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, verse 6, continue to live in him. So you receive Christ as Lord, God willing, by God's grace and mercy. Now live in Christ, rooted and built up in him, verse 7. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Strengthened, built up in him, growing in him. We're growing through the scriptures. We're going through our studies of the scriptures. We're growing through our reflection of the scriptures. See that no one, verse 8, takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. Focus on Christ, people. Focus on Christ. He tells you how great he is in terms of dying for us in 13 through 15. And he says in verse 17, the reality is, is in Christ. He talks about the folks that have different points of view in chapter 2, the second half of chapter 2. All you need is Christ. They watered it down. They said untrue things about him. Paul corrects them. I love chapter 3, 1 through 4. Since we've been raised with Christ, we're raised with Christ because of Christ's resurrection of the dead on Easter day. And we've been raised by Christ because of our repentance and faith in Christ. We are born again, chapter 3 of John. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Where is Christ today? He's on the right hand of God. He's enthroned. He is seated. He has died buried, resurrected, resurrected, and ascended after 40 days into heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Our tendency is to think about earthly things. 
Christ says, do not do that. You died and your life is hidden in Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him in glory. That's great news. But then the second half of that is also great news. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Whatever's not of God needs to die, needs to be eradicated, needs to be dealt with. So through those verses through 17, he tells us that we need to focus on our relationship with Christ. We need to focus on that relationship and we need to trust the Lord. Finally, verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What a great opportunity to read these scriptures in Exodus and in Colossians at the end of 1 Peter. Well, we began another journey in the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 17, it gives you the genealogy of Jesus, starting with Abraham. And then he goes to chapter 3, 1 through 6, with John the Baptist. So if you want to know about the birth of Jesus and the Magi, and their escape to Egypt and return to Nazareth, that is the end of chapter 1 and chapter 2. Of course, that's where we, what we read for, East, for uh, Christmas, for Christmas, Christmas season. So we go to chapter 3, and we have his cousin, six months older, preparing the coming of Jesus in chapter 3, the coming of Jesus. And he preaches a baptism of repentance, a baptism of repentance, and then finally, Jesus comes to be baptized by his cousin, John. Jesus came from Galilee to, be, to the Jordan to be baptized by John, chapter 3, verse 13. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you, do you come to me? Jesus says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And so the Spirit of God came on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. Then in the, this week of third Easter, we read the temptation of Jesus, which is the first Sunday in Lent reading for that weekend, that Sunday, those series of Sunday services. The temptation of Jesus. And so we see how the devil, after 40 days and 40 nights, the devil comes to him and tempts him. Then Jesus survives the temptation. And Matthew, because the way Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians, he's sharing with us events in the Old Testament that point to Christ. So this is why Matthew is such a beautiful book. And then at the end, our last day, Saturday in your post, Matthew 4, 18 to 25, the calling of the first disciples. So Jesus doesn't do this on his own. He calls the disciples to him so that they can be taught over a three-year period, about three years, and they will be empowered by Christ, discipled by Christ, taught by Christ, led by Christ, and uh, sent out to minister and to come back. And of course, as you know, after his death and resurrection and his ascension, they carry on Jesus's mantle and bring the gospel to the world. Well, you have a great set of scriptures for the week of uh, Easter 3, the third week of Easter, and I hope that you will enjoy these scriptures. As If the Lord would lead you to do some extra study or some reading, uh, please do so. Certainly reflect upon them and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how he would lead and guide you in the reading of those scriptures. May God bless you abundantly. Next week, we'll look at for Easter, 
the fourth Sunday of Easter. God bless you and have a wonderful week in Christ.